The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, episode 867 for Wednesday, April 20th, 2021. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome back to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show well, where you normally send in your questions, tips, and cool stuff found, and we share all that with the goal of learning at least five new things together. Today, we will learn five new things by dissecting Apple's uh, just finished, at least just before we recorded this, uh, spring-loaded event. So uh, we've got some things to talk about there, and then we'll get back to your questions starting with uh, 868 on Monday on our regular schedule. Sponsors for this particular episode include fastmail.com slash MGG and sanebox.com slash MGG. So two tools that will get your email in order. We'll talk more in detail about each of those in a little bit here for now. As usual, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here with my new mute button that Dave got me, um, which I just had to use because apparently the neighborhood is burning down here in Fairfield, no. Connecticut. This is... John F. Braun. I hope your neighborhood's not burning down. I hope it's a hope it's a false alarm. There you go. Yeah. Um. From what I can tell, having lived here, it's it's the uh, fire engines and not the uh, police or ambulance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope it's a false alarm. I hope nobody's house is burning down. That would not be good. But we've got lots no. to talk about here. Uh, it's good to see you again. We, we've it's uh, two days in a row here. Or we had a day break, but you know, two days in a row for for episodes to drop. So. Exciting stuff from uh, from Apple today, man. The pace of this event, if you have, so our assumption we are we are doing this uh, not to recap the event. So you know, it's about an hour long. It's posted on Apple's site. We highly recommend that you go and watch it. Uh, we will certainly talk through the details of the things that we're going to talk through, but we won't go through everything. And uh, and but we will sort of dissect the things that are that we found interesting or otherwise dissectable. And uh, but the pace of this event was fast. I mean, in the first five minutes, they went through like, I don't know, 16 different things and, and then started to get to the meat of things, which is already the meat. It was, I, it was pretty impressed. I'm, I'm out of breath, John, just from watching the event It was a workout. Um. Okay. Uh, uh, the, there were some interesting themes during the presentation. I don't know if you noticed any of them. Which which themes, John? Well, I'll tell you mine. Almost everybody was was retro. They were wearing denim. Did you notice this? No. I, I mean, I you're Tim right. Tim was wearing jeans. Yeah. One of the presenters actually had this kicking um, denim jumpsuit i was like wow where can i get one of those I, if i had one i would wear it for the episode but yeah um, we got it we got to make them yeah. with a mac geek Cab logo on the uh <laughs> embroidered right on there that would be good good merch um so that was one style statement but i think another style statement was oh my gosh all the options with all the things they announced so we should just probably dive right into that. yeah so let's start with the new m1 imac um it, so the the spoiler alert, they only announced one size of iMac, uh, a 24 inch iMac, which they say is a 4.5 K display, uh, which, OK, fine. Uh, it comes in seven colors now, which is a nice sort of return to the iMac's roots, if you will, Uh four USB-C ports. We have to remember, and it is an M1 iMac. It is not some new iteration of the Apple Silicon. It is the M1, which tells me that we need to temper our expectations uh, such that it's the same chip that's in the mini and the Air, Pro, uh, the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro, right? So it doesn't necessarily surprise me that we have only the 24-inch, John, right? Because the 27-inch or whatever that were to be will become would normally have a beefed up CPU and they don't have a beefed up M1 or Apple Silicon CPU. They only have the M1, but, uh, but it's got four USB-C ports on it, two of which are Thunderbolt capable, uh, which makes sense that the M1 chip, the bus or whatever they've built into that has 
just two Thunderbolt buses in it. It does not have four or whatever, you know, else they, they might do with it. So we're sort of living in those in that world of limitations. I'm assuming, uh, in fact, let's take a look, John, at the specs here, uh, if I can pull them up. Yeah. So, you know, my first reaction, Dave, yeah. when I look at this page here, it looks like it's an iPad on a stand. Well, that's okay? interesting. <laughs> uh, that, that's not wrong. I mean, look out the, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, isn't that what it kind of looks like? It, they, there was a picture and now that it has the same chip as yeah. the ipad which we'll talk about in a moment or the ipad pro i mean it, it, it the, my thought as i was watching this i'm like you know it, it, people have always been suspecting i think you and i viewed this that you know mac os and ios are i mean they have the same roots and all that but when sure. you're looking at it, when you're comparing the product lines, it's like, does it make sense to have two separate product lines? And the thing is, they're kind of, again, I think they're, they're it, it's hard to tell the difference. I mean, you know, once you add a keyboard and peripherals and stuff like that, it's like, what is the difference between the two? Why would you choose one over the other? And actually, that makes me think, uh, you know, is this going to cause consumer confusion it's mm. like well why should i get an imac why should i get an ipad pro that's right you because you can plug you see what the, i'm saying I I, yeah. I I didn't think about this until we started talking about it but as soon as i saw the picture here of the imac and i'm like it, it looks like an ipad on a stand well uh, take it take a look at how how are people good at our live no at our live coverage I um, which I'll pull up for those of you watching the YouTube version of this, but for the people listening to the audio, go to liveblog.macobserver.com and you'll see Apple in the event. Or if you watch the event, you saw this too. They towards the end of the event, they showed the iPad Pro and the iMac side by side next to each other, like side view next mm. to each other. And they do. It looks like the big brother, little brother kind of thing. It's it's definitely you're right. It looks like uh, an iPad from the side for sure. Um, it it's uh, in terms of specs, it's the M1 chip. Um, you can get it with the, it's the same weird thing where you can get it with the seven core GPU or the eight core GPU. Um, RAM is either eight gigs or 16 gigs. No great surprise there. And it's this four point five K retina display that's uh 400 4480 by 2520 resolution so um yeah it's it's an interesting I, I mean it's it's the it's an m1 imac it is exactly that and we need again we just need to make sure we keep in mind what the m1 chip is and isn't and that will kind of help us understand where this will go uh, I think there will be more. It looks like, John, if I look back at the specs here, it looks like the lower priced version, the seven core GPU version only has two USB-C slash Thunderbolt ports, whereas the eight core GPU version has four ports, two of which are Thunderbolt, two of which are just USB. So it's fascinating that what what they're doing here. So I don't know. Interesting, though. Um, I like the, I do like the colors. They look nice. It's fun. Oh yeah. I want to, I want a purple iMac, but I don't, I'm ha I'm actually, I'm now really happy. I thought that, you know, I got that M one, uh, Mac mini and then I bought the five K LG display to go with it. And I thought, man, they're going to come out with an iMac. That's going to make me wish I just got the iMac and they didn't like this. This is not a five K display. It's the same M one chip. And so I'm, I'm, I'm good with this. It's like, I'm good with my, my mini for now, but give it time. <laughs> I mean, the highlight, uh, so they did highlight. So if, if you, if you ask yourself, how do I work this? But uh, in addition, if you ask yourself, what differentiates this from the, the newer iPad? So they went on a bit about the sound system. So I don't know. Yeah. Oh, so if you want better sound with built-in speakers, then the iMac looks to be a better choice. I, I right? agree with that. Yeah, there's the the um the the sound in this thing. I'm scrolling through our our live coverage here, where they show. I I grabbed a screenshot of it. There are six speakers in the iMac Pro. Three on. Or sorry, it's no more iMac Pro. It's just iMac. I'm, I'm going to get confused. 
My apologies. Um, two woofers that sort of balance each other out. They look to be phase balanced so that they're not shaking the iMac, but they're still moving air. So I'm curious about that. And one tweeter that push sound. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Decent should have decent sound. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll find out. Right. Touch ID keyboard though. Right, John. Oh, wait, uh, y you know, you, you read my mind. I was like, what else jumped out at me? And yeah, it was on my list here. So, and it's actually timely because we just had a question our last episode, episode yeah. about how do I get a fingerprint reader for my, for, you know, my uh, desktop Mac. And it's like, well, nope. Well, now the answer is yep. Yep. So uh, the new magic keyboard, um, which now I'm wondering, Dave, would it work with devices other than the iMac? I'm suspecting maybe it would. I think it will. So the way they, they explained this, and I I like what they did here. I think this was pretty cool. The 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 whole issue with touch ID on a on an external keyboard is that you would have to, in theory, if it were just you know a USB keyboard or even a Bluetooth keyboard, you'd have to be sending the something representing the fingerprint, either the fingerprint itself or a hash of the fingerprint or something in the clear over, a, you know, an open protocol. And there was obviously security uh, privacy concerns with that. So USB or Bluetooth. Okay. Right? So whether it's a USB, uh, so what you're saying is that, uh, so whether it's either a hardware USB connection or Bluetooth or something like that, the potential for the data to be sent in the clear is a bad thing. Is a how do you address that? And how do you address that? Right. And what they said they did was, you know, and of course, of course, I don't, I don't see any technical details about this. I could be missing them, but what they said they did was they um, have a secure wireless connection between the keyboard and the secure enclave on the M1 chip. So it's just like the keyboard in our laptops or the touch ID sensor, I should say, in our laptops that does that same thing. It just sort of bypasses the rest and, and just talks directly to the secure enclave and everything is good. Mm. But like your Mac mini, your 2018 Mac mini has a has a uh, secure enclave on the T2 chip. My M1 mm. Mac mini presumably has I know it does. It has a secure enclave on the M1 chip. So. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Could that touch ID keyboard work with a non um, non iMac Mac? And I, I I see no technical reason why it couldn't. But of course, I'm not Apple. I'm just, you know, I, I watched an event 20 minutes ago <laughs> and now I'm making stuff up. But I think you're right. I, I think that's potentially doable. It would be nice to have. I, I like the idea of I, it would be nice to have a separate touch ID sensor. So that I could like put it, mm -hmm. you know, have keyboard of choice. And then that the Apple will never sell it that way. I can't imagine, but you know, whatever, it's fine. Oh, uh, what well, do we have anything more on the iMac right, here, John? So, uh, well, I think we're good. It, it, okay. it, you know, I wish I waited a little longer to replace my parents machine. So I got them in 2019. I told you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That'll probably serve them for many years. Um, but, you know, I think we've said it before, you know, the right time to buy a Mac is when you need one. Totally. <laughs> Don't Absolutely. wait because they're always going to come out with something new. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they did. Yeah. So yeah. that's great. What did they say? For most of these products, I think it was April 30th. You can purchase them. So. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it's um, it IMAX. The pricing ranges from what, $12.99 to $16.99. Uh, $16.99 gets you mm -hmm. the. Well, it might even be more than that if you want 16 gigs of RAM. And I would, so let's see, which iMac would I want? I'd want uh, purple and uh, because obviously, and I would <laughs> want the 512 gigs of storage. Okay, so for $16.99, that comes with 8 gigs of RAM and uh and mm -hmm. then presumably we can pay a little more. I don't seem to be able to add one of these to my cart yet. Of course, I can order on 430. So that's why 10 days. But um, but presumably I'm going to have to pay a little bit more to jump that up to 16 gigs. So figure 1899, right. 1799 so, maybe. 
so I find it interesting. So you, you said you looked at the product page. I have not as of yet, though. I should probably go to it right now. But um, so 16 is the most RAM they offer. Well, it's an M1. So I get. I guess this, this confirms. Well, no, it doesn't confirm because, no, I saw an article the other day. Somebody, some hardware geek out I, there somewhere uh, rewired an M1 machine and it could address more RAM and more uh, hard drive than Apple offers. So the capability is there. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I just find it interesting yeah. that, you know, because um, I would consider the iMac like the next step up from from the mini. So offering, uh, not offering more RAM, I think is sending home their message that you really don't need this. And and I don't know about you, but I, I haven't heard from any listeners um, to to Mackie Gab complaining that the RAM perceived RAM limitation is an issue that you have to worry about. Yeah, I so my M1 Mini in the office is but, probably. But, but if you do feedback, but if you do, yeah. But if you have an M1 Mac and the amount of RAM in there doesn't do it for you, feedback at MacEcap.com. Yeah, uh, I will let you resync your <laughs> audio thing, connection. Man. It seems like we are seconds out of sync here, but um, ah. my M1 oh Mini my. in the office is probably my best. Uh, it is for me is the best test of whether 16 gigs of Ram is enough. And on that M1 mm-hmm. mini in the office, I've been uh, running the Dogecoin core because I, I want to see how many Dogecoin I have. I, I, it's been a while mm-hmm. since I've launched my wallet, but it, it takes up a massive amount of Ram and about 50 gigs of hard drive space to sync up the whole Doge blockchain. It's a, it's a big mm-hmm. pain in the neck. And so it's been running for a couple of days because there's a bunch of leechers on the, uh, on the, you know, on the Doge network. And so it's slowing things way down because uh, it's gotten very popular. And so I've been running it for a few days and it has pushed into like, I think I saw it at about six gigs of swap used the other day, but I would not have noticed that if I were not looking for it. Now, mm-hmm. I also tested the hard drive on that thing and I get over 3000 megabytes a second reads and writes. So like that's pretty close to Ram, not hard drive, the SSD. So that's pretty close to RAM speeds anyway. So the swapping doesn't really seem to be an issue, at least from a performance standpoint. Now, I don't mm-hmm. do crazy like performance requiring things on that computer. I'm not I'm not pegging it mm-hmm. with like video streaming and things like that all the time. So it's hard to say whether I would notice a RAM limitation, you know, if I, I were like doing this or something with it, like streaming the show, but I don't think I would. I think it's, I, I think it's okay. Um, so, but you know, but yes, I think, I think the time will come when we will get more RAM in, uh, in our Apple Silicon based Macs. but the time is not today. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. Uh, I want to take a minute, John. We we have the M1 iPad Pro to talk about, and of course, uh, Air Tags and podcast stuff too. I want to take a minute and talk about our uh, two sponsors today. If uh, if are we done with the uh, with the iMac? Oh yes. All right. Please moving on. All right. We've got two sponsors for you today, each to help you with your email. Two great tastes that taste great together. First up is Fastmail at fastmail.com slash MGG. We've talked about Fastmail on the show before, and I've been checking it out again, and I'm ready to move. I got to be perfectly honest. Uh, You know, I've been using Google Apps for domains for a long time, uh, their free account, and keep running into weird limits and things like that. We've talked about it here on the show. Well, with Fastmail, first of all, works totally great with the built-in mail client on your Mac or your iPhone, calendar, contacts, apps, all of that stuff, right? And they have a great web client, but they've also got their own iOS app. And if you want to have email from a custom domain, it's less expensive than Gmail. You can bring in all your domains for just five bucks a month. Actually, it's less than five bucks a month because Mac Geek Gab users not only get to try Fastmail free for 30 days, you get 10% off your first year by going to fastmail.com slash MGG. 
And so you've got less than five bucks a month or less than 50 bucks a year for your email here. And now it's yours and you can do with it what you like. And yes, that price, the less than five a month and less than 50 a year includes your own custom domain if you like. But if not, you can use their one of their domains. They've actually got plenty that you can choose from. And signing up literally takes less time than I am taking to explain this to you here, and if you watched our live stream of this episode and this ad on YouTube, you will actually see me sign up uh, in real time for an email account so that you can see just how easy it is. So go check it out. Be part of the very best in email. Try Fastmail free for 30 days, and then, like I said, get 10% off your first year at fastmail.com slash MGG. Our thanks to Fastmail for sponsoring this episode. Next up is SaneBox. Look, inbox zero, <laughs> that is a hard nut to crack. Let's be perfectly honest. We're also inundated with email now that it's no longer about responding to everything. It's about responding only to the important things, the messages that truly matter. And that's where SaneBox comes in. I need to tell you, I have often said, and I will say it again even after this, that I've, I've been a SaneBox user for many, many, many years. In fact, it was a cool stuff found that one of you sent in that got me hooked on it. If SaneBox were to go away, the first priority on my schedule would be to create something that replaces the functionality that SaneBox brings me. It is so vital to my workflow. There's so many different things you can do with it, but the core of it is that as messages flow in, SaneBox does the triage for you. It sifts out the important emails and leaves those in your inbox and then moves the other sort of distracting stuff into a variety of different folders that you have complete control over. And you can create your own folders into which things will filter. And perhaps the one of the best parts about it is that if it puts something in the wrong folder, all you have to do is move it to the folder you want it in. It will see that and it will train itself. And if it has any questions, it will ask you. But by and large, it doesn't ask me any questions. I just move things and it goes there. Very cool. It also has this thing called Sane Reminders where I can have it alert me if someone hasn't responded to an email or even if they have, I can have it set up little ticklers down the road. I live my life based on SaneBox in many ways, and you can too. Visit SaneBox.com slash MGG today to see how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox, and you get a two-week free trial, plus you get a $25 credit. So again, that's SaneBox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com slash MGG, and our thanks to SaneBox for doing what they do and for sponsoring this episode. All right. Time to talk about the M1 iPad Pro. So this was, the to me, the big thing that people were really looking forward to was the screen on this thing. And I don't think Apple disappointed. Uh, they went with mini LEDs on the 12.9 inch. I think there's 10,000 mini LEDs that they talked about. Uh, so this this machine, like you said before, it's it, there is... There is some confusion there now between the two, right? Because there's a lot of great stuff. They basically brought the Pro uh, XDR screen down in size and put it on that uh, on that iMac or on mm -hmm. that iPad Pro. And that's pretty amazing uh, what they've been able to do with it. They also, uh, and perhaps burying the so, lead. Uh, so if one had to compare this with the iMac, it would appear they're suggesting that this is a better screen yes i believe well Would you agree with that yeah okay. it's a smaller screen but it is a a, a uh, well let's look i mean looking at the specs here we have uh do they have nits do they show because nits are so 600 nits um uh, max brightness but with hdr 1600 nits on the 12.9 inch on the iPad Pro or the iMac, 500 nits brightness. So there you mm. go. Yeah. Yeah. But perhaps, and, and actually to your point, but perhaps I buried the lead, the iPad Pro now has the M1. So, you know, very close to what we've got. I mean, it's literally the same chip. And the interesting thing is RAM on this, John, 
if you see on Apple spec page, uh, which I'll show in the video stream here, right while we're doing this, there is no seven core uh, GPU yes. version. There is the eight core GPU version, eight gigs of Ram on everything 512 and lower. So 128, 256 and 512 storage have eight gigs of Ram. And if you get one terabyte or two terabytes of storage, your iPad Pro has 16 gigs of Ram. Perhaps the biggest thing here is that Apple is telling us how much Ram is being shipped in an iPad Pro mm. for the first time. I don't think that they've ever done that for us before. So, um, yeah, it was hard to get that info unless you use like Mac Tracker or something like that. But, um, yeah, so, so some of the, uh, uh, I mean, one thing that I appreciated, which to me was something they should have done at the beginning, they're like, oh, by the way, now we support 5G. I'm like, uh, you probably should have done that. You, you, it's, it was technically possible for you to do that in other models, but okay, thanks for that. Well, <laughs> right. I, I mean, y y yes, it would have been, but. Well, my thought was, so for example, I have a SIM, Dave, from a, a certain cellular provider. It offers 5G in my phone, but not in my iPad, fourth generation. It's like, why? Because your iPad because doesn't have a 5G different... radio. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I understand that. So yeah. uh, uh, what I'm saying is that it's good that they you know, oh. introduced this feature in the... Absolutely. Uh, in another iOS device. I, I just never figured out why they couldn't have technically they could have, but they just not, chose not to until now. So that's, that's right. No, that's yeah. good. Well, it's like Wi-Fi six, right? Why they didn't put Wi-Fi mm -hmm. six in your MacBook pro is beyond me, right? Yeah. It's not a Wi-Fi six machine, right? That's crazy. Right. I, I think, right. Your, your MacBook pro, the 16 inch is not Wi-Fi six or is it? Uh, I thought it was. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm, maybe I, I'm I, I don't have Wi-Fi six yet. So. Sure, but but I uh, <laughs> let's look at the MacBook Pro 16-inch tech specs. No, I'm pretty sure it does. It might. You you might be right about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could I could have the. They, they, I think my got, phone does. So my iPhone 12, no. I'm almost certain does. No, your no. your your MacBook Pro is. Yeah. So that's the one that that's the weird one is it's only got Wi-Fi five. Yeah, it's just <laughs> bizarre. Right. I know. Yeah, yeah. So I have to get an adapter to get the juice. All right. He, oh. If yeah, I, don't, I'm, I assume they exist. I haven't seen them with Mac drivers, but they probably do. If anybody knows, feedback at MacGeekUp.com. Let us know. Mm -hmm. But you uh, heard them, folks. Feedback at MacGeekUp.com. That's right. Feedback at MacGeekUp.com. The um, all the M1 based machines. So the iPad Pro and the new iMac, of course, have Wi-Fi six in them because that's baked into the M1 system on a chip. So what's also baked into the M1 system on a chip, John, is Thunderbolt. And the iPad Pro's mm. USB-C port is now a Thunderbolt port. So that brings fast storage and bigger displays, right? So you can hook up that, that you know, Pro XDR display to this thing and use it with your mm. iPad. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know, like to, to further blur the lines between the two. I think that's pretty amazing. Anything more on this uh, on this iPad, John? No, I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with my current uh, Touch ID enabled one, <laughs> fourth generation, I believe it is. <laughs> yeah, no, uh... John F. Braun, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all right. What? But, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> we none of us. This is okay. It's it's how it's how you roll. None of us are surprised are by you this. Threatening me? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You want to talk about AirTags? Right, what was next? Ah, yes. Uh, yeah, it's on my list here. Airbags. No, no, not airbags. Air tags. So this was rumored and kind of scratching my head over this one, Dave, because there's already a lot of players and I actually have a tile on my keychain because that's what tile does is they make Bluetooth, uh, Bluetooth locator things. and. I'm real happy with it. And they've evolved their product, but apparently Apple. Yeah, so I'm again, I'm scratching my head over this. Why, why Apple decided to kind of push themselves into a market that already seems well, uh, well enough covered. What, what do you think? Um, I mean, as, some, it, as someone who has many tiles, I have, uh, when I travel, yeah. I generally have three of them in my vicinity. There's one in my mm -hmm. suitcase, one in my backpack and one on my AirPods. Um, 
I had not put the tile app on my phone up until uh, because I, I got a new phone since I had traveled last. So I had not put the tile app on my phone until, uh, you know, we went to Portland for our trip last week. And, um, since I've been home, I've been noticing my battery has been draining like crazy on my iPhone. And I, I looked in the battery thing because it tells you what's using it in the foreground and the background. And the mm. tile app is using like 30 minutes of battery out of every hour. So I turned off the tile app on my phone. Uh, so that to me is at least one reason why I might want Apple to be managing these things for me so that I don't have to deal with uh, you know, crappy third-party battery life experiences. To be fair, Apple could allow third parties to manage battery even better than they already can, especially these types of third-party devices. And it sounds like they are. There's that framework the, that they, you know, that they introduced last week, but the name escapes me at the moment. Maybe somebody in the chat room at live.macgeekab.com will remind me of its name. But maybe Tile can tie into that framework and and be more efficient with things. But that would be one reason. The other is that Tiles are only located by devices that are also running the Tile app in the background. Whereas mm. anything with a U1 chip, so every iPhone 12 and every iPad Pro probably, and every iPhone 13, when that comes out, will all be running those locators it will be done privately so perhaps i perhaps i buried the lead again i think the answer to your question is that it will be done privately and securely by a company that many people choose to trust with privacy and security and that being apple so not opening your location up to a third party would be perhaps the biggest sell here so those, that's my answer to your question. Okay, I did see yes. So they they mentioned something about unwanted tracking alerts, which okay. Yeah. Well, it, <laughs> I'd like to see. I'd like to see that in action, though. It's like, you know, like for example, you you and I, Dave. So so I have very few people on my um, find my list. It, sure. It, as a matter of fact, I have two people on it. Okay. And, and you know both of them. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, sure. Because I'm not comfortable with, you know, just anybody knowing where I am. I mean, you could probably figure it out if you run Instagram and you look at location sure. or Pokemon or stuff like sure. that. But still, rather than add advertise. Because, but uh, but I will point out, you choose to run the Tile <laughs> app on your phone. So Tile knows where you are 100% of the time. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you run the Google Maps app, then Google knows where you are 100% of the time. And if you right. if you so, give Facebook access to your location, Facebook knows where you are a hundred percent of the time, if they want. So right. So so the benefit of Apple doing this number one, the pricing looks pretty competitive compared to other products, um, and it integrates with Apple's ecosystem, and they uh, slather on a little bit of security uh, beyond what the others maybe can do but don't do by default. Well, sure. I, I think the other thing is that it is Apple and Apple mm -hmm. is a company that has put itself. I mean, they've spent decades doing this, but they put themselves in a position where we are actually the customers, not the product. Mm -hmm. uh, and and most many other companies, including a lot of the ones that I mentioned in my list before about those that also know your location uh, are not uh, in the business of you and I being the customer, you and I are the product so that that is sold to the customer. So data is managed a little differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I think everybody needs to make their choice as to whether Apple is a company to trust with your privacy and security as compared to other companies. Mm -hmm. I trust them fairly highly with both of those things mm -hmm. as compared to other tech companies. So right. I, I think that's, now, that's a that's part of it. Now, what I did notice, which some of the other vendors, um, Tile and Tracker, yeah, the two that I've used, Tile is the only one I currently use in addition to Apple's product. But um, uh, the accessories that they offered were nice, a nice addition as well. Yeah. Hold on. We're going <laughs> to. Well, you can either. The, you yeah, you want to hear fine. the. 
I think that's the ambulance now. Oh, that's not good. That's not well you you live like right across the street from at least one of the emergency. I am things. down the street from the police station and the fire station. Yeah, there you so, go. So okay. um um the good news in that case is that I'm really not too worried about personal security or my house burning down. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, right. For sure. Right. Yeah. They're right down the street. But it does get noisy. Right. Um, right. And I have to say it tickles me because there every now and then there's a basset hound in the neighborhood, dude. And whenever he hears the fire engine, the basset hound goes off. Of and course. It's just oh to yeah. Hear that. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Because the it, it, it's like he's one with the fire engine. Right. Anyways, um, no, I, I'm definitely going to check them out. I mean, the price is good, and you know, integrating with Apple's ecosystem is uh, yeah another attractive feature. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Twenty nine bucks for one, ninety nine bucks for four. They go. I think they get delivered on the thirtieth, and they go. You can place your pre order uh, on the twenty third, which I believe is Friday, if I'm doing my math correctly. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty cool. Um, while we're at it, the other things that Apple announced, or talking about the other things that Apple announced, I do want to give oh, mention yeah. to the purple iPhone 12. In uh, It looks like, I, I'm trying to figure out, I think that is the 12 mini that I'm seeing there as well. So, um, yeah, so you can get them all in purple. I, I, I like my product red iPhone uh, for sure. But if I had my my druthers, if I had the choice today, I would certainly pick purple. So that was nice to see. I like it. Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, that came kind of out of left field. I'm like, yeah, agree. Uh, OK, purple's nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I like purple. I mean, those of you that are watching the live stream or have you ever if you've ever watched the live stream, you, you know that the walls and ceiling, believe it or not, in my studio is purple. And the drums that are not in my studio are purple. Ah, okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So purple is purple is definitely All my right. color. So, so what else caught my attention? Uh, a few things. Um, they went on about their environmental stance and, you know, more power to them. Sure. You know, they're, they're trying to pollute as little as possible. No, so which is great. great. Well, it's Earth um, Day today. So that's that's the uh, yes. The, you know, so I thought they sense. have to go on about but, that. They, they talked about some stuff about Apple Card, but I don't think it's no. But yeah. what I think is no. important. I like my Apple Card is Apple Podcasts well, with the subscriptions. Yes. Right. That they now this is a pretty interesting thing. Um, they uh, so a few weeks ago, maybe, you know, more than a month ago, they changed the button from subscribe to follow in Apple Podcasts, so you no longer subscribe mm -hmm. to Mac Geek Gab, you follow Mac Geek Gab, and now today you could subscribe not to Mac Geek Gab because we have not put up a subscription in Apple yet, uh, and I, I'm not saying yet because we are planning to, I'm saying yet because we just haven't, and I we haven't researched it, like it literally came out an hour ago, but what subscriptions are is a paid, uh, a way for us to charge you for episodes within Apple's ecosystem is probably the right way to say that. And I'm, I'm stoked about this. I, this is for so many reasons, this is sort of amazing. It like, you know, 16 years ago, Apple's podcast directory launched and uh, almost exactly right. It was end of May or beginning of June or something like that. Uh, yeah. It was beginning of June at, at Macworld Expo in New York. It was July. No. Yeah. We launched in June. They launched the directory in July. Uh, they announced it in March or April of that year. And uh, since then, they really haven't done a whole lot with evolving their podcast offering. I mean, they've they've refined the store. They've obviously come out with the podcast apps and all of that stuff. But in terms of the offering of podcasts, what Apple does, I mean, they they pay a team and they're great people and they manage the the flow of things and all of that. But. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of resources, and it certainly hasn't been mentioned uh, it, it, with any degree of prominence in a keynote in a very long time. And this got, you know, it was right up front. I mean, it was packed into the front. But um, but seeing them do this is good because it was either that or they were going to just sit and languish and let Spotify win the day. Uh, so because Spotify, their momentum is crushing Apple. They have just recently eclipsed Apple on the number of listeners, but, but their momentum and, and when in business, when you're talking about competition, 
It's not about who's bigger or smaller. It's about who's moving fat forward faster. And Spotify is crushing Apple in terms of momentum. So to see them opening this up and now they've got, it's not just subscriptions. They let you do channels. So we could do uh, in theory, like a Mac observer channel where you can get all of the Mac observer podcasts sort of organized in the Apple's podcast app. We will almost certainly be doing something like that. We'll probably do something with various channels from our backbeat media shows as well. Uh, we got to dig into the new website, which we haven't done yet because we're doing this show right now. But, uh, but I'm excited about just the, attention that Apple is paying to podcasts and evolving their offering and, and making it adding some uh, elements that are, let's call them unique, although that might be the wrong word, but, but some things that make Apple's podcast offering Apple specific. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, everybody else is doing it. So they, you know, narrowing it down, it's not a bad thing. So I'm, I'm stoked about this. I, it, it, uh, whether, whether the actual features that they've rolled out wind up being something that we fully leverage or not here to me is less important than the fact that they've just done this. And, um, and you know, and it, it's, it's a thing like they get to like, we, we get stuff from Apple about podcasts. Yay. <laughs> so that's good. I don't know. But any thoughts on that? Um, I didn't really hear a lot about the whole financial aspect of this, Dave. Okay. Yeah. So the idea is a subscription. The word subscription now means that you can subscribe to AKA pay for a podcast. And then the revenue presumably with a cut going to Apple uh, goes to your favorite podcaster and that's how you can support them. Okay, they they didn't really go into a lot of detail, or maybe I was like no, out they of the didn't room at the time. But, no, um, they they moved quickly okay. past it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I'm seeing is this. So they've, it sounds like they've created an app store for podcasts. That's a, not a bad in way. That to they look get at a cut in that in that, in theory, I get exposure via Apple's mechanism, which we both do now. So there are a lot of other means and, you know, we even or you actually in your business, you know, uh, team there, um, you know, we had to create a program outside of Apple's ecosystem to right. uh, allow people to support us financially if they chose to do so. And, slash premium. you know, that's just a lot of extra work. So, you know, just like the App Store. OK, I'll put my thing in the app store. They take 30% or, you know, whatever the, you know, you, you negotiate with them. And, uh, uh, but you know, it's a win-win for everybody, you know, in, in theory. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying they to get money. You get exposure, you get money, they get money. And I'm not sure about the exposure thing. I wouldn't, they didn't sell that. I mean, okay. I, I, I don't know what the exposure level is. I'm, I'm not convinced that that's going to happen. I, they, they didn't, they said nothing about extra exposure or anything. They said, mm. this gives listeners a way to support their favorite podcasters. So the exposure may well still be up to us. And I would assume it is, there's too many shows in the, in the store for them to, you know, highlight everybody that says, yeah, okay, sure, we'll take money. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm wondering now you can not answer my question, but as far as, the metrics that you get for our podcasts, how many come from Apple versus other sources? Yeah, it's maybe 40%, 30% come from Apple. Um, okay. Yeah, and then and then other apps. All right, so they offer a decent level of exposure, but but there again, there are many other I know, wouldn't people that I wouldn't give Apple any credit for that. I, and I, I mean, maybe we give Apple some credit for okay. it, but they're not promoting us like much. We promote ourselves. In fact, we just hired somebody to promote us, right? So the the where people choose. Oh no, I'm to with you. I mean, is not Apple's yeah. like they're. I'm not giving them credit for that. No, no, they, they are the app that we use, but like, just like I wouldn't give overcast credit for driving mm -hmm. listeners to us. There's tons of listeners that use overcast to listen to us. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. Well, in, in interesting uh, facet to the uh, podcasting world. Um, the last thing is, um, is Apple TV. I think that's the last thing on on my list here is the the new Let's Apple see, TV podcast, 4K. Mm -hmm. You can't hear me, can you? 
I don't think. Yes. Here. Oh, okay. All right. Good. I think you're. I think you might be a little. No, I hear you. Okay. Good. Um, you. I think you're way behind. In fact, the Apple TV 4K with HDR would be the uh the next thing on the list. The um, I I'm I. So the Apple TV is interesting. I, the HDR, great. I'm glad they're putting uh, you know, they put the the A12 Bionic or A14 Bionic. Oh, now I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, A12. Thank you. Uh, they put that new chip in there to make it faster to do the HDR stuff, which is great. It's nice to see that hardware evolve. That's a good thing. Um. But I think the most interesting thing was the fact that they have like the the new calibrate your screen with your iPhone uh, little app there. I that impressed me. Like I like those kinds of things. But but isn't that what HDR is supposed to do anyway? Like isn't that the point of like Dolby Vision HDR? Is it like syncs with your TV and tells your TV what to do, and your TV is supposed to know what to do? And so it that's does it? Uh, what I thought. Because so I have an LG yeah. HDR 4K LCD TV thing. And the thing is connected to my current Apple TV. Whenever the Apple TV talks to the TV, a little icon comes up saying HDR. Okay. So th they're talking the same language. Right. Right. I mean, Apple TV already speaks HDR. It just sounds like this is a way to refine it, to make it. I mean, it's a it's a screen calibration. They're, yeah. they're basically giving you a, a free screen calibration utility. Um, I'm not sure it's free. for those that don't do a lot of visual work. Um, uh, and on the Mac, or uh, not so much on iOS, but on the Mac and and PCs, uh, there's a calibration feature where you can you know take this exotic little device, which is basically a camera, and put it up to your screen and say, yeah. Uh, measure the colors and and if they're wrong then you know fix it so what i see is what i print i think for most people that work in graphics is that's the goal is that you don't want to you don't want what you see on your screen to be different from what happens when you print right so you calibrate your devices whether it be your screen or your printer right yeah no that's right yeah 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 so yeah maybe maybe there is something to this i'm i've never I, I thought the whole like Dolby Vision thing was was to do exactly that, um, but but maybe not. I'm I'm trying to look this up here. Dolby Vision, <laughs> right? It, well, isn't that one the of point my friends? Of yeah, uh, I thought the current one had Dolby Vision. Maybe it doesn't. Um, uh, the thing I thought was hilarious is that in my uh, feed here, I think it was Jeff, our friend Jeff, who commented on this, is they introduced the, a new remote for people to get pissed off about. <laughs> yeah, but 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 it it has at least more features now and isn't all glass, so it won't just break at the the first time you drop it. So maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, my my comment to him was, you know what? Apple makes great computers, but. My track record personally, Dave, with their peripherals isn't that great. Their remotes kind of stink. Their mice kind of stink, right? Their trackpads are Dude, great. The, I don't the know. round, the round iMac mouse was like that did it for me. I was like, who could design something so horrible? Well, yeah. I, I mean, they've designed other things since then. I, I would say their keyboards and their trackpads have been their external keyboards and trackpads have been fantastic. The butterfly keyboard, yeah. of course, the, like there it's a mixed bag. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but, but yeah. So if somebody could under explain the whole Dolby vision and HDR thing to us, uh, that would be great because I'm, I'm clearly missing something. I thought there was already some like calibration between the screen and the content that was happening because of that, but I could be wrong. So feedback at MacGeekGab.com, please, if you would. Yeah, he said feedback at MacGeekUp.com. That's right. All right. Well, that's what I got for today. We, um, do you have anything else? Yeah, there, there's, there, there's some menu. I'll, I'll have to look on the Apple TV again. We, we, we should maybe revisit this. But there's some menu somewhere where you can tell your Apple TV to kind of wrap with your TV. 
Well, it's not even the negotiate TV. the I, best I, option. I think there's cro- Chroma, I think, is, is one of them. So that's right? not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about right. is the content itself. I thought, and again, I could be, mm. I could have completely made this up, but I thought that the content, mm. regardless of the, the device that's sending it to your TV, it could be coming to your mm. TV directly with an app on your TV, like the Apple TV app mm-hmm. uh, or Netflix. But I thought that there was something in Dolby Vision that told your TV how to calibrate itself and your TV could be Dolby vision compatible. Hmm. And then it would say, ah, right. I'll do the color thing and I'll get it the way the producer intended. That's what I thought, but I could be wrong about this. So that's what I want to know. It doesn't, it's not the box. Hmm. It's the content that's being sent to the screen that I thought was somehow encoded that way. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So like I said, I might've just, I might have wished that into the existence in my mind. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> as we all do, as we all do, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's what I got. You got anything else? Think we're good. Okay. Thank you, Apple. Yeah, fun. It's a packed event. It's crazy, man. Gosh, so fast. All right, we will. Uh, we will be back on. On Monday, as usual, if you want to watch the show while we stream it or listen while we stream, join live.macgeekup.com or go to macgeekup.com slash calendar, and you can subscribe to the very same calendar that John and I use to schedule these shows. So you will never miss one because you'll if, if you miss it, we will miss it. That's sort of how it works. Uh, but uh, but we'd love to see you in the chat room. And, of course, uh, share the show. We've got all kinds of stuff going out on all of our socials. Let us know what you're thinking about all that stuff we're pushing out there. We'd love to hear from you. So, again, I know we've said it a lot. Feedback at MacGeekGub.com, I think, if I got it right. Dave, you can't make me say feedback at MacGeekGub.com again. No, no. If, if we said feedback at MacGeekGub.com one more time, it would just be way too much for this one episode. So we're definitely not going to say feedback at MacGeekGub.com. I think, we, I think we got up to uh, 12. I think, no. We might be at 12. That's right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it. folks. <laughs> thank you for listening. We will, uh, we will see you on Monday or Sunday if you want to join us for the recording of next week's episode. And... Uh, Have fun out there. Yeah. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Don't do anything he wouldn't do. Wait. Ah! I got it right this time. John, I got us into this mess. Do you have anything to add before we send everybody on their way? Hmm. I've got one thing to add. No, I have two things. No, I have three things to add, Dave, and that is don't get caught. Made up.